awesome word for you this morning. Hold it up and say, this is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, we thank you for this time that we have to fellowship around your word. We thank you that your word is life-giving. It is the incorruptible seed which is able to save our soul. It is the word that is able to produce life. It is the word that causes signs, miracles, and wonders to follow us. So as we minister the word of God this morning, I decrease right now so that the anointing and the spirit of God inside of me can minister to the people. That no one will leave this place spiritually unfed. And that when we leave this place, we will leave empowered with principles to change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Our society, our personal lives, our spiritual lives, as well as our financial lives have the potential to experience recession. Everybody say recession. As believers, God has called us to be the salt in the earth and not to be infected by the external conditions of the world. See, there's there's a difference between being infected and affected. When you're infected, that means it it has gone beyond the external and it has gone into the internal. And God has called us to be the salt of the earth. And what goes on around us should not infect us. Jesus came for us to live abundant lives. And this life means a life beyond the norm and above the average. Say this with me. Say a life beyond the norm and above the average. There are unchangeable principles in God's word that we can apply to not be affected or infected by any type of recession. And so since I'm still in my like read my freestyle, you know, because I normally teach series, but I'm, I'm freestyling. My message this morning is how to overcome a recession, how to overcome a recession. And you may be going, well, Pastor, I'm not affected by that right now. Well, you haven't heard my definition of recession yet. The definition for recession, if you're taking notes, it is the act of withdrawing or going back. It's an extended decline of business. And it's a general slump in business or activity. Now, notice the first part of that definition, which I got out of the dictionary. It says the act of withdrawing or going back. So guess what? Your marriage can be in recession. If your marriage is not where it used to be, and it used to be better than where it is, your marriage is in a recession. 
Your relationship with your kids, if it's worse now than when it used to be, then guess what? You're in recession with your kids. If your money has gone down and not gone up, then your finances are in recession. So this is a universal teaching that I'm going to give you. So wherever you experience a a recession, I want you to think about it as I minister this morning. Now go to John chapter 10, verse 10. John 10, 10. This is a very good, very good encouraging message this morning. John chapter 10, verse 10. We all know the scripture. I'm going to give you a point. I'm going to read the uh, scripture in the amplified version. And then we're going to move forward. John 10, 10. In the, uh, in the King James, it says, The thief, which re- represents the devil, he comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. This is Jesus talking. He says, I am come that they might have what? Life. Life. Notice he didn't say that they might live. Because people who have blood flowing through their veins, they're living, but they may not have life. He said, I came that they may have life. That says also that if Jesus is not in your life, you don't have life. You're just living. Notice what else he says. He says, and that they might have life more what? More abundantly. Now, the amplified version says this. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. That doesn't sound like an average life to me. Amen. And the life we are to live is the same life that God is experiencing. When you look that word life up in the Greek, it's the word zoe. Everybody say zoe. Zoe. And when you look up the definition of zoe, it means the very life of God. In other words, what make God who he is, what makes him live is what Zoe is. And what Jesus was saying, he says, I came that you may have the same kind of life God has. Boy, I tell you what, that's good news to me. Because that means now I don't have to live by my human standards. I can live a supernatural life. Amen. Now, I want to give you an example. Have you ever been on an airplane? Well, let's start down here first. How many every day going to work experience traffic jams and wrecks and people, what I call uh, uh, rubbernecking? Y'all know that term? Y'all know? How many know what rubbernecking means? Yeah. Just looking. They holding up the traffic. Can you just keep going? You'll see it on the news tonight. Just keep going. Well... You have wrecks, you have traffic jams, you have traffic lights, you have stop signs, you have stalled vehicles. All those things can hinder you from going to work. But if you were to go and get in an airplane, an airplane is higher. It's not subject to all of, watch this now, listen to me. All of those things still exist down there on the ground. The traffic jams are still there. The red lights are still there. The wrecks are still there. The rubber neckers are still down there. But when you're in an airplane, you are far above those things. 
They're not affecting where you're going. And when you understand the principles of overcoming recession, you can operate above whatever's going on in your life. Amen. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1. And here's the first point I want to make if you're taking notes. Christ has been placed above all things. Christ has been placed above all things. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 18. Ephesians 1.18. If you're there, say I'm there. All right. If you're not, say I'm not. All right. I'll just wait a second here. Here's the point. If, you want to, if you're taking notes, write this down. Christ has been placed above all things. All things mean all things. That means Christ has been placed over recession. Okay. Watch this. Verse 18. Look at what it says. It says... The eyes of, this was a prayer that, that was being prayed. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. That means God wants you to know what his will is for your life. He's not trying to hide it from you. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, watch this now. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Look in verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And set him at his own right hand. Where? Come on, class. One more time. In heavenly places. So my question to you is, where is Christ seated right now? He is in heavenly places. That means that Jesus is up at the top looking down on everything. That means the traffic jams are not, it's not bothering Jesus. Stop signs and wrecks and rubberneckers. It's not bothering him. Because he's far above that. So where is Christ? Amen. He's in the heavens. Now go to Ephesians chapter 2. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Look in verse 4. Watch this. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love where he has loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, he's quickened us together. He's quickened us together. He's made us alive together with who? With Christ. Now, where was Christ? Where is Christ? He's in heavenly places. Watch this now. By which, by grace you are saved. Look in verse 6. And, talking about God, has raised us up together and made us sit together. Come on, class, where? In heavenly places in Christ. So where are we seated? In heaven. So let me ask you a question. If we are seated in heavenly places, then why are the things down here bothering us? Okay. Where is Christ seated? Where are we seated? Okay. Now go to John chapter 17. Go to John chapter 17. Because I'm going to show you that... Recession or not, it shouldn't affect us. John 17. John 17, look in verse 14. Watch this now. Jesus was talking here. He says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of this world, even as I am not of the world. Watch this. I pray not that you take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from evil. Verse 16. They are not of the world, 
even as I am not of the world. So even though we are in the world, we're not of the world. That means now, listen to me class, that means that the, the principles that the world are governed by and all the things that affect the world shouldn't really affect us. Well, I should say shouldn't infect us. Because you can't stop somebody from laying you off, but you can stop them from how it makes you feel on the inside. Are you with me? Okay. So there are four things this morning that I want to give you that will assist you in overcoming any type of recession. If you're having a recession in your marriage, and that's easily to assess. You know, if you just be honest with yourself, you know, is my marriage better? Is it worse? You know, uh, Whatever recession it is, even if your finances are in recession, I'm going to give you four things this morning to overcome those. Now, I'm going to give you what they are, and then I'm going to go through them. The first one is the person. The second one is the power. The third one is the perspective. And the fourth one is the principle. I'm going to say it again. These are four things that assist us in overcoming any type of recession. The first one is the person. The second one is the power. The third one is the perspective. And the fourth one is the principle. What was the first one, class? The person. What was number two? The power. What's number three? Good. What's number four? The principle. Okay, let's look now at the person. Go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Christ in us is greater than anything outside of us. That's the point. Christ in us is greater than anything outside of us. 1 John chapter 4. And if you're taking notes, write down verse 4. Watch this now. It says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Read it with me. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Let's read that again. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So one of the things that will help you overcome recession is understanding that that he who is in you is greater than he that's outside of you. And when you know that, you won't worry. See, worrying is a sign that what's on the outside of you is bigger than what's on the inside of you. I mean, why are you wasting your sleep trying to wonder if they're going to lay you off? Why why, why are you wasting your sleep on that? They're either going to do it or not. But even if they do it, greater is he that is in you than he that is what? In In the world. See, we act like there's only one job in America. And you know, we are so negative as a society. Oh, our unemployment rate is higher than ever. What's the unemployment rate now? 8%? 8%. That's the highest it's ever been since the Great Depression. Well, 92% of people are working. Why aren't they reporting that? Because the world is in a negative recession. So watch this now. Christ in us is greater than anything outside of us. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Y'all know I'm going to give y'all a lot of scripture this morning. Philippians chapter, that's okay. You can do a Bible study when you get home. 
Get the, get the CD, get the Bible study. You can do Philippians chapter 2, look at verse 8. Watch this now. I'm going to qualify this, boy. I'm going to break this thing down this morning. Every knee, that means every living creature is subject to the name of Jesus. Watch this now. Philippians chapter 2, look at verse 8. If you're there, say, I'm there. It says, and being found in fashion as a man, talking about Jesus, he humbled himself, he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Watch this now. That at the name of Jesus, some knees are going to bow. Hello? Hello? Every knee should bow. And watch this now. He even got specific. He says of things in heaven and things in the earth. And then he went as far as saying, and the stuff that's under the earth too. In other words, he's telling us that the name of Jesus has authority over anything. So why is it that we are allowing external circumstances to dominate us when the name of Jesus is available to us to bring it on its knee? Amen. Go to Romans chapter 8. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8. If God is the majority, everything else is the minority. Romans chapter 8. Romans 8. Some of y'all know this scripture. That's good. It's good for a refresher course. Here's my point. If you want to take notes, if God is the majority, everything else is the minority. Romans 8, look in verse 11. Is that what I said? Yes, Romans 8, 11. All right. It says, but if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in who? Then he that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal body by his what? Spirit that dwell in you. Now, watch this now. I want you to see something. He's saying the same power that raised Jesus up from the dead lives inside of me. Now, It takes a lot of power to raise a dead person up. Do you believe that? I mean, it takes a whole lot of power. You got to get their veins, their heart pumping again. You got to go, you know, you got to start all over again to raise somebody from the dead. And what he's saying is you have the kind of power inside of you that can raise somebody from the dead. If If you have the power to raise somebody from the dead inside of you, then... What's wrong with your family? If he can raise a dead person, he can raise your family up. That tells me there's no circumstance in your life that cannot be raised up. Basically, what he was saying is, even if it's dead, I can raise it up. Amen. All right. Let's look now at, uh, let's, let's just summarize that and say, the person that I'm talking about, that overcomes all these negative things that's going on is the person of Christ. And then he put inside of us 
His Spirit, which gives us the power. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Now, let's look now at the power. Go to 1 John chapter, one, uh, chapter 5. 1 John, go back to 1 John. 1 John chapter 5. Our faith in God and the power he has placed in us is enough to get us out of any situation and stand in the midst of any negative circumstance. I'm going to say it again. Because, see, some of us, we're trying to run from trouble. Let me ask you a question. How can the world see your God performing your life if you're running from the problem? Some of you all are spiritual chickens. I mean, the devil come and you just, you just fly, fly away, oh Lordy, I fly away. Y'all know that old, uh, uh, I, ain't, I ain't criticizing the song, but you can't fly away. He's put some power inside of you to stand. Amen. Listen, when you, when, you, when you encounter a problem in your life, the first thought in your mind shouldn't be, what am I going to do? The first problem in your mind is going to, it should be, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. All things are possible to him that believe, and I'm a believer. Amen. Philipp, uh, what did I tell you? 1 John 4, 4. 1 John 5, 4. All right, watch this. It says, for whoever or whatsoever is born of God, what do they do? They overcome the world. That includes recession. You shouldn't be going down. You ought to be going up. You say, well, pastor, you don't know what happened to me. It doesn't matter because he's equipped us to handle it. Go to now Ephesians chapter 3. Well, you don't have to go there. I'll just tell you what it says. Ephesians 3. 20 says, and God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. According to the power that works in... Go to Ephesians 3. Go to Ephesians 3. You know what? No, don't go there. I just told you what it said. Go back to Romans chapter 8, though. Let me show you something here. Romans chapter 8. It said, God is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all we can ask or think. But it goes on to say, most people stop that verse right there. But it goes on to say, according to the power that works in you. So why don't God do exceeding and abundantly sometimes? Because maybe the power ain't switched on in us. See, that's what most people miss it. See, and then they blame God when, when God didn't come through. Well, God's word don't work. I, my rent was due and I got evicted. Well, what that got to do with it? If he can do exceeding and abundantly above all that we can ask or think, th- there's some power inside of me that I got to trigger. Now watch this. Watch this. Romans 8, verse, I know we read this, but I'm going to show you something that's in it. Verse 11. It says, but if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead, if it dwells in you, bless their hearts. What did I tell y'all to go? A level. Okay, yeah, that's well. Uh, uh. Go 
to Ephesians. I, 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 I want to go to Ephesians. Go to Ephesians. I really don't want to go there either. What do I want to do right now? Let me, let me just summarize this by saying that the power, when he said, according to the power that works in you, that power comes in three forms. The Holy Spirit, faith, and our words. Now, we just read it where it says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. So that means the spirit that has power is on the inside. Then we read over in 1 John, it says, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So my faith has power. But then I said the words. Well, Proverbs 18, 21, it says that death and life is in the of the what? So guess what? My faith, the Holy Spirit, and my words can get me out of any mess I'm in. Now, let's look at now perspective. Let's look at perspective. Because your perspective is how you see things. And how you see things determine how you respond to things. Go to Matthew 26. I mean, Matthew 19. Go to Matthew 19 very quickly. Matthew 19. Any negative situation or condition in my life has the potential to change. Matthew 19, 26. How many have something negative going on in your life right now? Well, can I tell you something? It has the potential to change. Matthew 19, look in verse 26. Watch this. This is so good. But Jesus said, or beheld them and said, With men, this is impossible. But with who? With who? It didn't say with your 401k. Because see, some of y'all's 401k now is a 101k. It didn't say with money, all things are possible. Because you can have money and still not have love. He said with men, it is impossible. But with God, how many things are possible? All things are possible. So that's the perspective you have to have. When you are encountering things that are not right in your life, your perspective needs to be all things are possible as long as I believe. In other words, there is nothing going on in your life right now that cannot be changed. The only thing that needs to change is your perspective on that thing. And guess what? If your perspective is, I don't think God can do it, God can't do it. Amen. So that means I have the control of how I perceive what happens to me. Now go to Ephesians chapter 1. Go to Ephesians 1. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. This is the scripture that I wanted to turn to when I was, you know, flipping back and forth here. This is the one right here. Praise the Lord. This is the one. Ephesians 1. Look in verse 17. Boy, this is right here. If you wore a church hat, it will pop your church hat off. Man, this is one of these scriptures, man. You're going to leave here and slap your mama when you get home. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 1. Look in verse 17. Watch this now. I'm about, I'm about to say something that's to some of y'all is going to be sacrilegious. Here's the deal. How many believe God has all power? 
How many believe God can do anything? Okay, do you know God's power is controlled by what you believe? Watch this, Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 17. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding, watch this, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of his glory is, of his inheritance in the saints. Look in verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his what? Power. But that exceeding greatness of his power is only to us word who what? Your belief determines the power. And guess what determines your belief? Your perspective. And if you walk into a situation, see, for us to close, there was, there was a, a document from the Secretary of State that we needed to get clear. And, and the process is normally a, a, a long process. We got it done in a day. Because I'm walking around saying, this is going to happen. And some of you all are wasting your breath of saying what ain't going to happen. Now, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And then we're almost done here. 2 Corinthians. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The thermometer to let you know what you are believing is your mouth. I'm going to say it again. Because some of y'all need a hearing aid turned up right now. See, you want to blame everybody. You're blaming your boss, you're blaming your husband, you're blaming your wife, you're blaming your kids, you're blaming your lack of education, you're blaming your whatever you're blaming. You're overqualified, underqualified. But guess what? The thermometer to let you know what you believe is your mouth. I'm going to prove it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look in verse 13. It says, we have in the same spirit of faith, according as it is written. He says, I have, I believed... And then therefore I what? I have spoken. And we also believe and therefore we what? You know what you believe, what you say. So you can think you're walking in faith, just listen to yourself. You're not walking by faith if you're talking negative. You're not walking by faith if you, oh, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I ain't read that verse in the Bible yet. You know, I, more Christians quote that verse than any verse. I think they think it's in the Bible. Amen. So let's look at the principle. We'll close on this. We've looked at now the person, that's Jesus. We've looked at the power, that's the Holy Spirit within us. We looked at the, pers- the pers- perspective because our viewpoint in the whole situation has to be biblical. You can't let what you're going through deter what you believe. When a problem comes my way, I act like I'm in a football stance. I'm ready when you are. I'm not running. It doesn't matter what happens. I'm not going to run. You know why? Because I know the greater one lives inside of me. Amen. And you know what? You don't have to lose. You know, I know some people say it's going to get worse before it get better. That ain't scriptural. The scripture says God always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Always is always. You don't have to lose unless you want to. 
And I don't know about you, I choose to not lose. Listen, there are nine innings in a baseball game. If I'm losing, we going 10. And if I'm still losing, we going 11. We're going to keep going until I win. Amen. What's the principle? The principle is a set of rules, guidelines, and actions that if followed will yield consistent results. I'm going to say it again. The principle. A principle is a set of rules, guidelines, and actions that if followed will yield consistent results. Now, go to Isaiah 55 very quickly. Isaiah 55. Let me show you a principle. Everybody say principle. Now, this is what Pastor Eben lives by right here. See, principles, they're not going to change. The weather's going to change. My feeling's going to change. You know, but guess what? Principles don't change. Gravity's still been around. It was around when, when Noah and, 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 and Adam and all. It's still working, right? Okay, watch this. Isaiah 55, let me show you a principle. Isaiah 55, 11. Watch what it says. Well, look at verse 10. For as the rain comes down and snow from heaven and does not return, but waters the earth and makes it uh, bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the soil and bread to the either. Look in verse 11. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. My word will not return unto me void, but my word will accomplish that which I please, and my word will prosper in the thing I sent it. You have to have an overwhelming belief that God's word works. You have to have an overwhelming belief that this thing works. Somebody say amen to that. Uh, Recently, I met with one of our members. And they have a son that's uh, uh, disabled. And they were getting disability from the government. And all of a sudden, the government just decided to just stop the disability. Just stop it. And we're talking about, you know, a good chunk of money. And of course, just like I would, this person was relying on this money. And they put him in a temporary setback. And I was meeting with them. And they said, well, uh, it got canceled. And, and really, they were just in a, in, a, in a limbo of what to do. I said, how much money you got on you right now? They said, a dollar. I said, give it to me. I took the dollar away from them. Then I thought about it. I said, no, I want you to give it to me. So I gave it back to them. And they gave me the dollar. And I said, listen, the only way out of where you are is a seed. And I said, I know it seems rude. The pastor done took your only dollar. I took, and I said, I'm not giving it back either. I said, you can't buy nothing with it anyway. I mean, you can't even get a Snickers bar with a dollar right now. I took that dollar from them and I put it in my pocket in Jesus' name. I said, you have just sold into your man of God. Watch this now. I got a text from him yesterday, and this is what the text said. Now, this is two days later. Pastor, got a letter in the mail. They have reinstated their disability, and they're back to normal again. 
you know, you know why I took her? And let me tell you something. When I took her dollar, I looked at her and I gave her a promise just like the, uh, uh, Elijah did. I said, now God is obligated to do something for you. See, God ain't obligated if you ain't done nothing. I said, but, but in proportion, she gave a lot because she gave a dollar. That was all she had. And when she did it, I walked out of that room. I said, Lord, you better do something. <laughs> I'm like, you better do something. I done took this lady dollar. <laughs> it's up to you now. But see, I know in whom I serve. I know that it works. I've seen him work it in my life. I've seen him change situations. I know through his word he can part a Red Sea if he needs to. He can raise a blind man up. He can call somebody who was dead to come out of the grave. How much more can he fix your situation? And I walked out of there with an undeniable, unwavering stand that God was going to do something for her. And you know what? I did not manufacture a blessing. You know, sometimes you can feel sorry for somebody and you can, you can want to help them. I said, no, no, no. That's God's job. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Let's look at one more scripture. New. Well, look, go to Jonah chapter 2 and we'll stop. Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2. Oh, y'all being blessed this morning. Jonah chapter 2. Now, if you can't find Jonah, which you probably can't, just go to your index. And I, I don't like the book of Jonah in my Bible because it's on page 666. I was like, 666? But let me show you something here. This is how you get, this is a principle now. The principle I'm talking about is God's word works. You must have an unshakable belief that it works. Let me show you how powerful it works. Jonah chapter 2, look in verse 10. This is when Jonah got swallowed up by the whale. Jonah was swallowed up in a bad situation. Some of you all may be swallowed up in a bad situation. Things may be going in reverse for you. I'm going to show you how to reverse it. Look at now chapter, 10, uh, chapter 2 and verse 10. And the Lord spoke to the fish. Who spoke to the fish? The Lord spoke to the fish. Watch what happened. And the fish vomited out Jonah onto dry land. When you put God's word in your mouth, it's God talking, not you. And when you say what God says, whatever you're in has to vomit you out. In other words, there's nothing that has taken you than such that is common to man, but your way of escape is your mouth. And because God spoke to that fish, that fish had to spit Jonah out. My question is, what you been saying? What are you saying? I can't make it. I, I, I can't see it. I can't believe it. See, here's the problem I have with believers. Well, I'll see it when I believe it. You don't see your brain. Well, I, I, I just don't feel that it's going to work. You don't feel your blood running through your veins, do you? Here's the bottom line. Get your mouth in order. And when you say God's word, it's not you saying it. It's him saying it. And when he says it, we read that it cannot return to him void. Amen. Did you get anything out of that this morning? 
With every head bow and every eye closed, you may be here this morning.